Good morning. It's such a blessing for me to come to you, bring you a wonderful message about the fulfillment of the law and what it means for us today. Today I'm going to talk about how we should look at the Jewish nation. Now, I can make many messages about this, but I'm just going to talk in general how we what we supposed to think about Jews? What do we supposed to think about Messianic Jews? And what did the Apostle Paul think of that? How should we deal with that today? We don't want to fall back into legalism and law. We don't want to fall back into the traditions of that which cannot satisfy us with a brand new life. We want to walk in the power of God. We want to walk in the resurrection power of Jesus Christ and see the new creation manifest in our lives. That's what we want to see. So we're going to look at this. Now, let us just pray as we start the service. Father, I want to thank you that I can preach your gospel boldly with great joy, great passion, knowing that you have come to give us life. Thank you, Lord, for the kindness that you've expressed towards us and that you would speak powerfully through me today. All glory, all honor is yours We can do nothing that is everlasting of our own power. It's only a gift from you. And thank you, this message will last forever because of your life and your power. Amen and amen. Well, today we're going to look at Galatians chapter 3. We're also going to go to Ephesians chapter 2, Galatians chapter 1, and 2 Corinthians chapter 5, the famous passage there. Then we're going to end off with Colossians chapter 3. So those of you who want to know what scriptures I'm going to use, you can jot that down just quickly there. So uh, let us start out with Galatians chapter 3. And what we're going to talk about here is the law that was a schoolmaster and the uh, clothing where we clothe ourselves with Christ. We might throw 2 Corinthians 5, 1 in there as well. Right, let's go to verse 23. It says, Before the coming of the faith, we were held in custody under the law, locked up until the faith that was to come should be revealed. Isn't that beautiful? It says that under the law, we were we get the feeling of being kept safe, and that kept safe and locked up has got a bit of a negative side of it as well, meaning we were... We weren't experiencing what we're supposed to experience. Now, I say we, it's talking about the Jews here. And they were locked up, kept in safeguard, uh, not differing much from a from a, a slave, although the owner of all things. And the law basically kept us, and it was prophesying towards Christ that was coming. It says, so the law was our guardian, beautiful word there, until Christ came that we may be justified by faith. So what is the purpose of the law? The purpose of the law is to act as guardian. There's a type and a shadow that's used here. As a guardian until Christ may come. How does the law guard us? The law doesn't guard us and didn't guard the Jews by telling the Jews what to do and what not to do. It guarded the Jews in protecting them to continually live by faith in having an expectation of a Messiah that was to come. Okay, the law also had another purpose where it showed the Jews that they, by their own flesh, never can be saved, but that they should believe upon the Messiah that is to come. 
The law also said that the Jews were supposed to be a light unto the Gentiles, meaning taking the message of the Messiah and the message of life to all nations. The house of God shall be called a house of prayer of all nations. That's what they were supposed to do, which they didn't do. But we can't go as far as to say that the Jews didn't do what they're supposed to do because Jesus was a Jew. And as a Jew, he did what the Jews were supposed to do, making God's words of prophecy that through the Jews, he would be a light to people. He did it. Didn't do it through the whole nation, but through one that was of that nation. That is what he did. Okay, now... If we go to verse 26, it says, So in Christ Jesus, you are children of God through faith. So the Lord, the Lord, the law kept the Jews under or as a guardian, meaning they were kept them as children until Christ should come. That would mean that would be a place where they are now acknowledged as the sons of the Father. So when Christ has now come, come and they believed in Christ, they are not under the guardian or the law anymore. They can now say, we are sons of God through Jesus Christ. No need for the law as a guardian anymore. We can still look at the law and what it, how it prophesied to Christ and benefit from it. But as pertaining to keeping the law for righteousness, no need. Verse 26, so in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith, for all of you were baptized into Christ. And should you have done that, you have clothed yourself with Christ. Now, that is something. That is some powerful, powerful statement right there. It says, when you were baptized into Christ, you have clothed yourself with Christ. Now, what does it mean if you have clothed yourself with Christ? If we go to 2 Corinthians 5, let me, uh, let me go there and read it quickly. It says here, For we know that if our earthly tent we live in is destroyed. We have a building from God, an eternal house in the heavens, not built by human hands. Meanwhile, we groan, longing to be clothed instead with a heavenly dwelling, because we are because when we are clothed, we will not be found naked. For while we are in this tent, we groan and burden be, uh, to become clothed with, not to become unclothed, but to be clothed with our heavenly dwelling instead so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. So what he's basically saying here is, when he talks about being clothed, he talks about how we clothe ourselves. He says here that they are expecting, as Christians in 2 Corinthians 5, to be clothed with the heavenly body. And what is going on, what's going on in chapter 3 in Galatians, he's saying that when we have been baptized into Christ, we, in our hearts and minds, are clothed with Christ. We are clothed with his, with his eternal life. That's what we are clothed with. We're going to see later in the message that although it doesn't manifest, it doesn't mean or manifest fully yet, it doesn't mean we cannot live by that reality. So what he's basically saying is we who have clothed ourselves with Christ are those that have been baptized into the belief of what Jesus Christ has done for us. And we can now relate to ourselves 
the way we relate to Jesus. How do we relate to Jesus? We relate to Jesus as one that is above sin, above death, that is neither Jew nor Gentile, that is neither male nor nor free, cannot be defined by the freedoms of this world, but that is defined in the freedom that God has given him in being raised from the dead. Amen. Now, let's read it again. It says here, So in Christ Jesus, you are all the children of God. Through faith, for all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. In this condition, where you've clothed yourself with Christ, there is neither Jew nor Gentile. Hmm, Now, that is something, because this was written by Paul the Jew and was written unto people that were Gentiles. But he said, in Christ, whom we are clothed with, talking also about the eternal, immortal, physical body of Jesus that we are saying we are being clothed with when we are baptized, in that eternal, immortal, glorified body, we find no Jew or Gentile, neither male nor free. Have you asked yourself the question, what gender is God? No, he is not. You need gender if you don't have eternal life. That's what you need because you need to procreate. And God has eternal life, so there is no such a thing with God. We use what is logical to us and, and, and say, you know, he and she and those kind of things when it comes to God. But when, it, when we talk about God in the raw truth of who God is prior to creation, we find that God is the eternal, immortal being and cannot be measured with, in, and cannot be even likened in terms of uh, sexuality or gender or any of those kind of things. God is God. And here, he, that's why it says in Christ, and this is a very radical statement to make. It says here, in Christ, when we are clothed with Christ, when we have put on Christ, He says, there in that condition is neither Jew nor Gentile. But we find that people that believe still remain male or female. They can still have children and so forth. So what does it mean? He's talking about living from the reality of who and what Christ is as the reality from where we live yet while we are in the flesh. That's why Paul says, in the flesh, the life I live now in the flesh, it is not I who live, but Christ who lives in me, saying, yes, I do have a a physical body. Yes, I am still under Jew and Gentile, but my life does not relate to these things. I've got a higher place from where I live. I've got a greater reality from where I live, and that is the resurrected Jesus, which is God's word about you. There we find we are righteous, we are holy, we are above reproach. There is no condemnation, there is life. Okay, so it says there is in this resurrected Christ who he is now, there's neither Jew nor Gentile, meaning Jesus is not a Jew or a Gentile where he is now. He is what we call a new creation. Yet he is a human. (laughs) He is the son of man 
at the right hand of God, a human being at the right hand of God. The Bible says that Stephen saw Jesus in Acts chapter 7 and then said, Behold, I see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of God or standing at the right hand of God. So it's a human, but he is made new. He's newly created. You cannot refer him or draw reference to him as Jew or Gentile, male or female, a slave or a free, those systems has fallen away. It says here that if you belong to Christ, then are you Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. So what he's saying is the seed of Abraham, Abraham was a child of God because he trusted God. It had nothing to do with genealogy. It had to do with God bringing forth life in him. Doesn't matter what genealogy genealogy was from. He was simply Abraham that believed God. He was of Ur of the Chaldeans. They were idol worshippers. They didn't believe in God. They had all these zodiacs and all those kind of things, believing in uh, uh, Marduk and all these gods that need to come down and bless them, gods of war and violence and, and, and all those kind of things. They believed in gods wherein you had to sacrifice your children. This is the kind of a, a, a person Abram was. But then God came to Abram and he spoke to him. Then Abraham believed. And from that belief, we find a life through Isaac formed in him by God fulfilling his promise. And so was he made a new person. So I want to say to you that what Paul is saying here is that we that believe in Jesus Christ, even according to the flesh, if we Jew or Gentile, we cannot refer to ourselves anymore as Jew or Gentile. By that, we also then immediately forfeit the rights that we would have had should we have been Jews as Jews. That is gone, for we are not Jews anymore. I say this because this is very, very important and plays a very big role in a lot of Christian churches today. There is a amplification and there is a view and there is an exaltation of the Jewish people that there is not supposed to be. Some might want to switch this off and say it's anti-Semitic. Let me tell you something. This is not an anti-Semitic message. This I say this in a love and an absolute passion for preserving Jewish people. That is what I'm saying. Because the moment we come and we preach favoritism, wherein the Jews are favored above the Gentiles in any form or fashion, we're going to find jealousy give birth to hatred. And should we continually hammer on the Jews being the special people of God, they will be under a double judgment from, the, from people. It's like if you are if you call yourself a Christian, the moment you say Christian, you'll find the world judge you more harshly. Christians aren't supposed to do this. Christians aren't supposed to do that and so forth. And now when we find people uh, look, look at the Jews and we find them being elevated to the special nation of God, we will find other nations hate them because of that. Now, you might say, but Betty, what if it is the truth? If it is the truth, we'll have to settle with that and accept it. But what if it is not the truth? What if the Jews were a people that God used to bring the law to the point that once Christ has come, that that which he was speaking through the Jews might find substance in a place where there is no Jew and there is no Gentile? Glory to God, man. The truth is 
that in Christ there is neither Jew nor Gentile. Now, I remember when I just got saved. Um, there was a guy in our church, Uncle Butti. He was a, a Jew. He's passed away now. Um, his son is married to my, I don't know if it is a, a niece, my, my mother's sister's daughter. His name is Ian, and, and he's a Jew. So <clears throat> I remember when we looked at him as Bible school students and as people in the church, it was like the one would say to the other one, do you know Wambuti? He's a Jew. He's a Messianic Jew. The other one said, wow, wow, man. Uh, and, and we would have a, it's almost as if there would be a little kind of a special respect for Uncle Buti because he was a Messianic Jew. The rest of us, I don't know what this here in my eye, but the rest of us were Christians. But he was not a Christian. He was a Messianic Jew. Why would you say such a thing? Why would there be this messianic Jew thing? What would that be all about? It is simply a fleshly statement. It's simply a statement lacking the understanding that in Christ we have clothed ourselves with a new creation, a physical body that has been recreated that is neither Jew nor Gentile that is neither male or female, but where we have become one with God in Jesus Christ. Okay, now let us turn to 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 13, and we're going to talk about this whole concept of belonging to Christ. The Bible says that we belong to Christ. We don't belong to any group anymore. We when we are in Christ, there is neither Jew nor Gentile. So we cannot say we belong to the Jews or we belong to the South Africans or we belong to the Americans. We belong to this nation. We belong to that. You cannot say that and reason, fully reason from Christ. You have to become fleshly. You have to become inside the mind of the world to reason like that. If I say, us as South Africans. The moment I say that, even if what I'm saying is very positive, I have moved from the realm where I define myself in Christ to the realm where we are defined by just normal understanding of this world. The people of this world will call that being in your right mind. But the, according to the people of the world, we will be out of our mind when we reason along the lines where we say that there was a physical resurrection. We are now clothed with this physicality. We see ourselves in that. We reason from that logic. And there is no more Jew or Gentile. Right. It says here in uh, 2 Corinthians 5.13, for, for we are out of our mind as some say, and it is because of God. If we were in our right mind, it is because of you or for you. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should lo no longer live 
unto themselves, meaning unto uh, being a Jew or not a Jew. You can't live, live that anymore. But for him who died for them and was raised from the dead. So from now on, we regard no one according, according to the flesh. Though we have regarded Christ this way, we do so no longer. I want you to just think of this. Paul said that he did not regard Christ according to the flesh, meaning he did not see at that moment where he was Christ as a Jew. So Jesus, he said, was born of a woman according to under the law, according to the flesh, but was then reborn and re-given to us as one born from the dead, born from God in the resurrection. He who believes upon Jesus is in Christ, and in Christ all things were made new. The old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, verse 17, if anyone is in Christ, is a new creation. The new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave unto us the ministry of reconciliation. So what God is saying is, you thought of yourself as a Jew or a Gentile. But when Christ came, you were recreated in Christ. When we believe upon him, the new creation has now come. This new creation, which Jesus is, it doesn't owe his birth or uh, the source of his life from any fleshly point of view. You cannot view it. He doesn't owe it to his mother Mary at all. He owes his birth to God, meaning he is God's son. He is the God kind in the earth. That is what he is. He is not anything else. He can only relate to himself as pertaining to the flesh as God that gives him eternal life. That's what it means. A very, very radical statement, uh, really misunderstood in the church. It says, so from now on, we regard no one according to a worldly point of view or according to the flesh. Though we once regarded Christ this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. And the new creation has come, says the NIV. The old has gone, the new is here. All this is of God who reconciled us to himself. So we want to so many times reconcile ourselves to are you a Jew or are you a Gentile? But in Christ, we are reconciled unto God. So if you want to ask what nation you are from, you have to say God is your father. I am a new creation. I cannot relate to myself based on this earthly creation. And this new creation is a physical creation. And that is what Christ stood up into when he was raised from the dead. That is what Paul is saying here. And there in that 
place. There is no such a thing as Jew or Gentile at all. There's no such a thing. I quickly want to go to Ephesians chapter 2. And um, I want to read from verse 13. Listen to what he's saying here. For he himself is our peace, who made of the two groups, this is now Jew and Gentile, one, and he has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commandments and regulation. So Jesus, by, by his flesh, the fact that he in his flesh died as a Jew and was raised as a non-Jew and is the Messiah of all people that are in him, that believes upon him, meaning not for Jews only, but for Jew and Gentile. That is what he's talking about. He says that for those people that are neither Jew or Gentile that believes upon him, they are now a new kind of a people, a new breed. They have, they don't have the law. The law has been set apart. It says his purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of Jew and Gentile. And in this way, he is making peace. And in one body, not a Jew body or a Gentile body, in a resurrected body which, of which God is the Father. In that body, in that body, everything is reconciled and made new. It says here, and I read it, it says, and in one body to reconcile both them to God through the cross by which he put the, to death their hostility so the hostility was the law the law was given to the jews because there is therefore no more jew the law is not given to any of these nations because jews doesn't exist anymore gentiles doesn't exist anymore in christ those who've believed in christ is a new human race if you want to call it like that or a new kind of humanity to to whom the law doesn't belong doesn't belong to any of those two and they have been reconciled unto God where God is the father of them and the spirit of God brings forth their holiness that is what's taking place here okay so what we do is we look at Galatians chapter 3 where it says in the when we've clothed ourselves with Christ we've clothed ourselves with a new form of humanity a new humanity which is neither Jew nor Gentile this new humanity for us who believe in Jesus cannot talk about things like messianic Jews it is it doesn't belong to us that language doesn't belong to us we can either get Gentiles Jews and then Christians we are Christians. We are followers of Christ. We have clothed ourselves with a new form of humanity, which is neither Jew nor Gentile, which is resurrected, glorified human flesh. That is what we clothe ourselves with. That is what we are clothed in. That is what is going on. So, when we look at this, we've come to a brand new realization. And that realization is that of the new creation. We as the church 
cannot go and try now and give special places to special people. Because should we acknowledge the Jewish flesh inside our Christianity? I mean, we acknowledge that there are Jews. We acknowledge that there are Zulus, Kosas, South Africans. We, we acknowledge that there are Germans. We, we are not foolish in saying that there are not those people groups. But inside Christ, we don't define those groups as pertaining to anything when it comes to spirituality. We just say that there's a new creation and that is how it is. The Jew has been made a new creation, therefore we don't relate to him according to the flesh anymore. So like I said, we're not going to say, do you know that John, he is a messianic Jew? No, we're not going to do that. We're going to just say, this is John, he's a Christian. That's all. Why would you want to call, and I've seen many Jews even call themselves that, I just want to say, I'm a Messianic Jew. You still need to get rid of a fleshly uh, connectation to who you are into the physical resurrected Jesus and get clothed in Christ. So you can either say, I'm a Christian for I have been clothed with Christ, or I can say I am a messianic Jew. I, I don't even know how those words, it almost sounds like blasphemy to me. It sounds like not right. How do you, what do you mean by a messianic Jew? It means you are a Christian Jew. Um, th those two things don't go together. You can't say Jew and Christian. You can't, can't, you're either clothed with Christ in flesh that never existed before, that was formed in the resurrection of Jesus, and that's the point, and that's how you relate <clears throat> to yourself, and that's your point of reference, <clears throat> or you are not that. Special favoritism that is just rearing its, rearing its ugly head here is bringing harm to the church, and that is not what we want. Okay, now let us go to another verse here quickly, and that is going to be in Colossians 2. Colossians, yeah, Colossians 2, 20 and up to 3. Here it is. <clears throat> Paul says, since you've died with Christ to the elemental spiritual forces of this world, why as though... You are still, I, I want to, I need to reverse here a little bit. Verse 16, therefore, do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or what you drink or regard to religious festival or a new moon or a celebration or Sabbath day. These are a shadow of the things that were to come, but the reality is found in Christ. Since then that you have been raised with Christ, Set your belief on the things above or in the higher form of reality. Where Christ is seated at the right hand of God, set your mind at the things above, not earthly things. Talking about Judaism, it's earthly. To say I'm a Messianic Jew is earthly, it's fleshly. You relating to Christ based on your flesh and to others, giving yourself this special place. 
You need to stop that, and the Christians need to stop to honor that, and we should honor Christ and love Jewish people enough to stop this favoritism thing. For the moment you favor one child above the other, you'll find children fight. And if you've got any respect for the Jew, you would love them enough to say, you are not a Jew anymore when you are in Christ. That is what we teach the Christian, uh, the Christians that when we judge them according to the flesh, we're Jews. That is, how, that is how it's supposed to be. You might say, but Bertie, is this even relevant? It's very relevant. It's very, very relevant because Christian churches, governments, Christians, how they relate politically to the government and everything has got this one thing in, in, in mind, and that is how does the government treat Israel? That is how we find this thing today in South Africa. And I know it is well and alive in America and many other nations. It is how do we treat the Jews? What is our policy on the Jews? And then unless we have a fleshly definition of Jews, the Christians say it, God cannot bless the nation because we're not honoring the Jew. I do believe that we should honor all people. Let righteousness be for all people. Let righteousness be for the Pakistani. Let righteousness be for the Koza. Let righteousness be for the one that lives in Uzbekistan. Let righteousness be for the people that live in Kazakhstan. Let righteousness be for the American. Let righteousness be for all these people. And righteousness is there's a new humanity in Christ, wherein we preach Christ and whosoever is in Christ, we re don't refer to them according to the flesh anymore. And I think that should be the stance of the church. The church should say, let us honor the Jew as we honor the German. And as we honor both people equally in their flesh or according to the flesh, as we reason fleshly, I mean, let that be that. But let us not say that we need to walk in the flesh in order for God to bless our people. That is a lie. And that thing is so embedded into the church that people struggle to see the gospel of grace. And that is to the detriment of themselves because the moment you say somebody talking inside the church is a messianic Jew, you are saying you're not. And then you're saying they are something you are not. But the scripture says that in Christ you are one. I can tell you now, if Paul was here today, he would have taken the whip out on this, this Judaizing, Judaizers and this Judaism that is being infiltrating the church. He would have, he, he would have been harsh on this thing, man. He would have said it's leading to the destruction of people. It's leading to the destruction of the church. Not that the church can be destroyed. I mean, Paul, they thought that he was destroying the church and the church was advancing. Okay. That will also lead to you not really seeing who you are in Christ. There will be a weirdness about the gospel. Oh, I tell you, weirdness is very irritating. A weirdness. <laughs> you know, we believe about Jesus. We believe all these things. And then all of a sudden, it comes to Judaism and all of that and the Jews. And then we become weird. Then all of a sudden, Christ is not all in all. Then all of a sudden, there yes, there is not Jew and Gentile, but. 
and we become weird. And as you become weird, you're causing trouble for yourself and others. That is what's taking place. So here he says in chapter 3, listen to how Paul reasoned about himself. He said, since then you have been raised with Christ, set your heart on the things above. Where Christ is seated at the right hand of God, set your minds on the things above, not earthly things, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. So what happens is this, and this is where people get confused. Our life, our physical bodies that we were raised up into with Christ does not yet appear. We still have the appearance of the old, but that is not where we put our mind. It says we put our mind in Christ for our life, who we really are, is hidden with God or with Christ in God. Meaning we're not seeing Jesus today. He's hidden. He's gone. We don't see him. To us, he's gone. It's almost like, and I've said it earlier this week in a short message I made, it's almost like uh, having money and you put it in the bank or gold that you've put in the safe, safe deposit box. It's gone. It's not gone. But it's gone because you can't see it. Where is it? I can't see it. It's in the bank. So it is. it does not yet appear. It doesn't appear here. You don't see it here. But your life, if you've got $10 million worth of gold somewhere in a bank, you would find that that gold gives life to you today as pertaining to peace financially or stress financially, depending on what you think, the gold price or whatever. But it will influence your life. In the very same way, what Paul is saying here is that we have died. We're not following rules and regulations anymore. That is gone. And we now have been clothed with Christ, the physical body of Jesus. We say we have the same body. And from that reality, we live every day. And although he does not yet appear, when he appears, we shall appear with him as immortal human beings, which is the reality from where we live right now. And then it says, should you have this mentality, you will find that you put to death a lot of the fruit of the flesh and even th more things like lying and all of that will start to be put away from you because you now have a brand new mind on who and what you are. God's view of Christ is God's view of you that believe upon Christ. Let your view about you become the view God has about Christ and let it be your reality. The message of the Messianic Jew and all, I want to say it's almost like a swear word, man. You don't do that in the light of the finished work of Jesus Christ. We can, outside of Christ, talk about Jew and Gentile when we are in our normal fleshly mind. But when we are in God's mind, we are seeing a new creation. Last verse, Galatians 1. 13. For we have heard of my previous way of life in Judaism, how, intent, how intensely I persecuted the church of God and tried to destroy it. So he says, my life in Judaism was like this. So Judaism allowed for the persecution of the church. 
Now we want to mix Judaism in with Christianity. It is a certain form of persecuting the church, plus it is denying the Jews the recreation. Imagine six, six million Jews were killed. But those Jews that were killed by Hitler still had the opportunity to believe in Jesus and believe that I'm a new creation. I am not just a Jew. I am, I am recreated in Christ. Believe upon Jesus. That person will be raised from the dead and live forevermore. But imagine the harm you can do when you teach people that they, Jews, that they cannot be recre new, newly created bodily by the resurrected Jesus. And you come with a watered down message by saying that their flesh is still their flesh and that's how God relates to them. It can have eternal consequences, man. The Bible clearly says he who is circumcised, in other words, he who goes back to Judaism or into Judaism as a Gentile following these customs, says Christ will profit you nothing. Okay, listen to what Paul says. For you have heard of my previous way of life in Judaism, how intensely I persecuted the church of God and tried to destroy it. I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age amongst many people and was extremely zealous for the traditions of the fathers. So as he was advancing in Judaism, he started to look down on the church. And I see the very same thing today. And the sad things, I see the church embracing that. Repent. But when God, who set me apart from my mother's womb, what did God do to Paul? He set him apart from his mother's womb, meaning that he basically taught Paul, when he appeared to him on the way to Damascus, and when he said, why are you persecuting me, talking about him, him personally, uh, and he said, you're persecuting me when you're persecuting the church, what he was basically saying is, this body you see now is the very same body these people have. And all of a sudden, the birth is now God, and the birth is not your physical mother. So, Paul was separated from the mother's womb and he came into the womb of God and was born from God, neither Jew nor Gentile. He says, when God separated me from my mother's womb, he called me to preach to the Gentiles. Because how would they preach to the Gentiles while they still thought the gospel was a Jewish thing? He had to be separated from the mother's womb. And so I want to say to you Gentiles, you need to be separated from the mother's womb. We need to separate the Jews from their mother's womb. And we need to put them in the womb of God and see how God is their father. That will keep us away from the law infiltrating the church where we start to follow Jewish customs and commandments and all those kind of things. And we will relate to Christ and the recreation of this man as the reality and the truth about us and what we already possess. Eternal life belongs to me. It does not yet appear, but when Christ appears, who I am will appear in immortal flesh. The fact that it doesn't appear doesn't mean we don't live by it. That's what he says here in Colossians. And let me read it again and I'm ending off with that.
Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your affection or the depth of your being, the core of your belief on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above. Above, please. You know, Australia is down. Uh, Alaska is up. The up he's talking about is not somewhere high in heaven. He talk, when he talks about above here, he talks about the higher life. So heaven is not up. Where's up on a circle? No, when he says put your mind on what is above, he's talking about the higher way of living, the immortal life. He says set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. He says heavenly things. Earthly things is things like messianic Jew. Earthly things is like Judaism. That's earthly. Following the feasts and the customs according to the context of chapter 2 here, that's earthly. Set your mind on heavenly things. The recreated human body which belongs to you, which shall appear from where you have your source of life even now, as pertaining to your thoughts and emotions and feelings. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God, when Christ, who is your life, your life is Christ. You don't live in Jew. You don't live in Gentile, in American, in uh, German, in South African, in Uzbekistanian or whatever. You live Russian from Poland. No, you, you, you Polish, you, you live in Christ, your physical, I'm talking about physicality, your physical origin is God now. That's what it means to be born of God. You are removed from your mother's womb. It says, when Christ who is your life will appear, then you will appear with him in glory. Hallelujah. Well, thank you so much that I could bring this message to you. I trust that it has challenged you, blessed you, and set you free. If you know of people that need this message, send them this message. Glory to God. Yeah, but Bertie, they're going to be offended. They might be set free. If I must not preach because I think somebody is going to be offended, I would never preach. I would never preach. I I just feel that, and it's not a feeling, this is, I feel it, but from the reality of God's life, we cannot reason outside of these truths. But Bertie, I might sound like an anti-Semite. <laughs> Jesus said, if they don't believe you, it's because they don't hear me. And they don't hear the one that I've sent. That's how it works. So do you think that when Paul came and he spoke about these things and he basically got so persecuted for these things by the, the, the Jewish believers of that or Jewish, the Jew, Judaizers or the, the people that follow Judaism, when he was so persecuted for that, do you think that you're above him? That you cannot be? If Jesus was killed because he spoke about these things and a new creation and all of those kind of things, 
and he was murdered for it? Do you think that you are higher than your master? Be willing to take the persecution if it comes your way. Speak the truth. Because even if in the midst of persecution, we are rejoicing in the glory of God. Hallelujah. Well, I've said enough. Thank you so much that I could serve you with this good news message. And I'll see you again tomorrow as I send the daily devotionals. God bless.